Welcome to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. Brought to you by elevatebooks.com. Hello and welcome to another one of our Elevate Podcast. My name is Benjamin J. Harvey, the Difference Maker Mentor. And once again, we have the pleasure of interviewing an international best-selling author from the Elevate series. Now, if you want to find out more about them or any of the other authors in the Elevate series, be sure to check out elevatebooks.com forward slash authors where you'll actually find a bunch of additional information and plenty of highly valuable and free, that's free resources you can download immediately to further assist you in elevating all areas of your life. Today we have Mercedes Taff Cooper. And if you're wondering who this lady is, well, first of all, it's important to understand that if you're going to be communicating with her, she's only going to answer to Merck and Merck alone. But Merck is a registered psychologist, a sports and exercise science graduate, and an international boxing coach with over 35 years of coaching experience. Born in Culaney County, Sligo, Ireland, and I'm pretty sure I didn't pronounce any of those words correctly, Merck's initial involvement in sport was with kickboxing, in which she won both European and world championships. She's one of Ireland's most successful coaches and has worked with boxers who have ranked in the top 10 in the world. Merck moved to Australia in late 2006 and developed Counterpunch while completing her master's research in Tasmania. Passionate about connecting with and enabling young people, in fact, people of all ages of life, to reach their potential, Merck moved to the Northern Territory to work as a child and adolescent psychologist. It was there she piloted Counterpunch with the support of the Northern Territory government and the Menzies Centre for Child Development and Education. Merck then moved to South Australia in 2015 and lives in Mount Barker with her husband, Greg, a warrant officer in the Australian Army. So please welcome Merck. How are you doing? Hey, Ben, I'm good. Thank you. Please forgive all of my pronunciations of where you uh, were born and grew up. Did I say any of that correctly? Well, it sounded a bit American, but it's Coolanee County, Sligo, Ireland. But I'm just saying that for the benefit of my Irish friends that might be listening. <laughs> Coolanee County, Sligo, Sligo, Ireland. That's it. You say that like an American. I'm not sure why, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's my default for pronunciation. Uh, look, you've, you've had a, a lifetime of success, truly, and, and your results do speak for yourself all over the world. You have trained some of the greatest uh, boxers the, the world has ever seen, and certainly you've got some incredible results with, with young people, uh, helping them to transform their life. And you know, as your catchphrase says, helping people to, to connect, relate, and communicate. So, so for the listeners out there, tell me a little bit more. Why are you so passionate about this topic? Ben, I'm passionate about it because I suppose I've lived it a little bit and I'm looking at what I could have learned then and what I know now and, and basically how simple it actually is. I think sometimes we, 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 we specialize in making simple things complicated and I think that, I think that a lot of um, problems result from that. So I guess trying to get those simple things and those simple uh, lessons across to young people early on and save them all the grief in the future. I guess that that's really where my passion lies. Probably because I've seen the outcomes as well. I've seen, you know, kids at the wrong end of of um, you know a lifetime of trauma or drugs or alcohol abuse or whatever, and 
you know, as early as my teens, I coached kids who, who went on and, and suicided after they, you know, at, at some point. And I'm like, how bad does a person have to feel to get to that point? And, and you know, how easy it is to to try and prevent that from happening just through giving information. But we don't seem to give that information at an early stage. And I guess that's why I'm really passionate about getting it into schools and getting it into getting that knowledge across to people because, as I said at the start, we make it complicated. It's not complicated. It's simple to teach, and and I've pretty much shown that with the um, with the program as of pilots and the outcomes that we've had. Now, counterpunch is getting a, a lot of uh, traction, specifically you know your, your counterpunch method. For the for the listeners out there who maybe have got a copy of your incredible book here, Elevate Your Life. Or perhaps they've stumbled across your website, counterpunch.com.au, but they want to know a bit more. Tell us about the, the counterpunch methodology. What is it? Basically, it's it's a three-phase system. In its purest form, it's a three-phase system that, that introduces a, a format to connect for, for young people. In, in my experience, having worked with kids for a very long time in schools and, and over the years in clubs and coaching and so forth, I found that... Um, the, the best and the easiest way to connect with kids is through that physical medium. It's what worked for me as well. And I know, having worked as a school counselor, how hard it is to engage a young person that's generally sent to you because they've been kicked out of a classroom for whatever reason. And you're trying to sit there and, like, do talk therapy. It just doesn't work. So I was like, I've got to figure out a way to connect with these kids straight away. Um, and because I'd been doing martial arts, I said, right, I'm going to try and get them doing some pad work. So I brought some pads, boxing pads in, in with me and I said, hey, you want to try this out? And, you know, as soon as they saw the pads, it was, it was a bit of curiosity. But man, as soon as they hit the pads, it was a whole change in demeanor and the energy and everything just completely changed. It was like I'd known them for, you know, I've already had five or six hours of time with them in that 15 minutes, that breakthrough of them just, you know, connecting on that physical level, you know, it was okay. And plus it sort of, change that um you know teacher student difference it was we're on a level mm -hmm, power mm -hmm. i'm holding the pads they're hitting the pads and we're chatting away and you know the, the actual topic of discussion is easy because they're doing something physical and that to me was a tremendous breakthrough i, I just thought why can't we just do this this works you know so you're saying that you really get to know people when they engage in that physicality of uh, punching the pad and I guess what did the mask come off, or what is it about that? Yeah, I think all the well, with young people in particular, um, and I'll, I'll talk about other people in a minute. But with young people in particular, the defenses come down. You know, it's like you know, being a kid's tough. You know, when you're a teenager and you're at school, you don't have a whole lot of freedom. You know, you're pretty much told everything you need to do, and you know what time you got to be here, what you got to wear, when you can eat what homework you need to do, what time you need to be there. At. There's just so much stuff you're told about. And you, how many things do you get to decide about? There's not that many. And I think that, um, you know, being able to actually break down those barriers because there's going to be a defense mechanism. It's always kind of been a them and us. But when you do something physical, it's like you and I together. It's not, it's not a competition. It's like we're working together. And when we work together, the barriers are broken down straight away. Plus mm. you have that. 
you have that physiological release as well, obviously, the natural endorphins or whatever, the high, the change in the physiology, which changes the, the feeling, obviously. But even on a, another level, more recently, working with um, young women, for example, who've experienced trauma or abuse, oftentimes when they hit the pads, it's actually the first time that they've reconnected with their physical being, with their physical body, because... As you know, you know, in cases of abuse, the you know often happens is that separation, that sort of dual personality almost. But the, you kind of don't want to connect with the body. But when you actually feel yourself hitting a pad, it's very, very empowering. And it's oftentimes, in my experience, the first time that a client has reconnected with their actual physical being. Yeah. So, so you're saying that um, a lot of the healing comes from a lot of these people finally realizing that they can work with somebody else together on something and just that mere feeling of support has a has an impact as well. Yeah, absolutely, but that's not all of it. I think it's just a whole different approach, you know. As a psychologist, I've um, I became a psychologist quite late in life, but I've observed the outcomes and I uh, think that the system itself, I talk about systems in the book, particularly the school system, but I mean, even if you look at the medical system or the psychology system, it's just so diagnosis focused and it's it's become it's become all about trying to find out what's wrong with the person rather than focusing on what's right with the person. And I mean, when somebody's telling their story about what's wrong with them for, in one time case, nine years, is it any wonder that they're a bit depressed? You know what I mean? If you're talking yeah. about something that's wrong with you for nine years, it's kind of hard to escape that. And and that's the focus. It's all, well, tell me the problem. I mean, this young lady's retold her problem thousands of times, you know? It's just, yeah. Whereas... I kind of focus on, well, what can we do right now and how can we, you know, intensify that through a physical activity? Mm, so focusing on the solution, what's working, and then linking that to physical activity. And, and this is really the, the unique approach that I love so much about the counterpunch method because there's a lot of gymnasiums out there teaching boxing and there's a lot of psychologists and psychology places teaching personal development. But you've just somehow merged these two things together to just achieve some really phenomenal results. And I guess one of the things for the listeners out there, just give us a bit of a snapshot of the, the counterpunch methodology, this three-step process. Just sort of tell us what are each of the steps and, and what can they expect in each one or what sort of things do they do? Well, in its purest format, which will be the school curriculum and what we piloted in Darwin when we piloted the program or when I piloted the program, it's a three-phase thing. When the kids come in, first of all, we do it at a separate location from the school. So as soon as they step off the school grounds, they're away from that them and us kind of um, mentality and they're coming into a shared space where they have kind of shared ownership, if you like. Um, we work out what the what the what the sort of ground rules are uh, together, as opposed to telling them that this is what the case is. We then sort of sit down and have a wee chat and get to know them as individuals and what sort of um, you know sports and things they've been involved in already. And then we you know we pretty much start doing physical stuff straight away. We start playing games, you know, using using fun and games as a means to break down, as I said, those those defenses getting to know each other as well as getting to know us. And um, and then we sort of use that first phase to go into components of physical fitness. So they learn a little bit about the components of fitness. They learn a little bit about diet and nutrition. They learn a little bit about um, the importance of sleep. 
um, if they're interested in sports, the idea that, uh, you know, how important it is to put fuel in the car if you want the car to go. We actually mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. subliminally introduced that whole analogy of the car right early on because we kind of use that in phase three. But phase two, as part of phase one, we, we, we do some goal setting. We, we, we do smart goal setting, but we call it very smart goal setting because it's value added goal setting. So we mm-hmm. look at why we take a component of fitness. We usually take sort of maybe strength or something that we can do there and then and sort of say, well, pick something you'd like to improve. It could be, you know, doing a correct push-up or doing a correct squat, some basic physical movement. And then we look at how to set goals around that and how to how to work towards that goal. And then in phase two, we start to overlay that with the idea of mental fitness. Um, we look at the performance jigsaw. What, what what are the elements of performance for sport? Because, you see, with these kids, if you talk about something else, if you talk about what's important for performance for sport or for something that they value, something they're connected with, as opposed to making it about them, they'll tune in straight away. So when you talk about sport and what's going to make them better at performing in their sport or performing in whatever activity it is that they choose, then they're interested. They're They're connected straight away. So in the second phase, we look at, the actual um, components of, of mental fitness, so we call it the, the CV. Basically, they're you know how 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 they exercise, control, commitment, concentration, which you know leads to confidence. And as part of the program, we actually make sure that they actually achieve that confidence by a process of teaching them the basic footwork of boxing or a basic circuit or whatever. But at the end of it they've actually improved. They, they've seen objectively that they're doing more repetitions or they're more skilled in that skill or whatever. So they've actually been given a pathway to experience the development of confidence. We actually provide that in the program, if you like. Yeah, and then yeah, the, yeah. Third phase, the third phase um, goes into that whole concept of um, a problem-solving toolbox. And we use William Glasser's reality therapy model, which is basically the idea of a car and the, the four wheels represents the total behavior. The steering wheel rec- represents the car, the, the uh, quality world. The, the engine represents the basic needs. And um, that whole concept, particularly the total behavior, the idea that your front wheels represent what you think and you do, and the back wheels represent how you feel emotionally and physically, with that you can't directly turn the back wheels, but you can turn the front wheels. So you change the thinking and the doing. But... One example of how we would do that, for example, is we would get them in and they might be a bit, you know, low energy after coming from school or coming from maths or coming from whatever. And then we get them playing a game. And then five minutes later, the whole energy has changed. And we're saying, well, you know, what's the difference? And basically, they've just changed the physiology. And you're sort of saying, well, you can actually do that. You have that control. You can change your physiology to feel better. But you're giving them an actual example and experience of having done that which really kind of resonates with them another Mm -hmm. example from across to life might be if you're boxing and you continuously throw your lead hand and get caught over the top with the other person's rear hand what do you have to do and they're like well i guess i have to adopt a new technique or you know change my guard or do something to stop getting hit and i said exactly i said well you lose the head at school and you keep getting suspended what do you need to do and they're like, oh, yeah. It's sort of like when you're related to something that they're actually value, they get it as opposed mm. to some information that they're just getting. They're experiencing it, and they're they're sort of saying, 
well, yeah, I don't want to keep getting caught with right hands on the chin. And, yeah, I don't actually want to keep getting suspended either. So what do I need to do? How do I need to change the doing? Yeah, I love how it all connects up. And so for listeners out there, so you've got these three phases here. And in the book, uh, Elevate Your Life, there, there's actually a, a breakdown on page 176. So you talk about stepping into the ring. You talk about... Uh, Mastering your ring craft and developing your CV, the analogy that you've got there, and also mastering yourself. So um, the, these are the three phases that you, that you seem to take people through. So for listeners out there who are wanting something practical they can do you know, this week that can allow them to start to really work through their own life and develop a counterpunch mentality, so to speak, what, what, give me give me a piece of advice that that, I could, that they can use straight away. What, what would you what sort of tips or recommendation could you make? Well, the big thing for me and the biggest biggest sort of lesson that I've learned over the years is that you know you take action, you change the doing. You know, I know psychologists, especially when I was in college, there was such a focus on CBT. Everything was CBT, cognitive behavior therapy. And CBT focuses a lot on the thinking and the underlying scheme and so forth. And in its place, it has its uses. But for me, the essence is in the doing and changing the action. So I really believe that actually taking action is the first step towards changing the feeling. So it could be simple. If you, if you can take an action that will in turn change your physiology, i.e. through exercise, like just taking a walk every morning, you know, when you, you know, if, if you're someone that sort of gets a bit down, as soon as you get up, then sort of try and set an intention to get up and actually go and just go for a walk. Don't overset your target. You know, it could be five minutes. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but just get in the habit of changing the action and bring some systems into your life that, that are kind of, help, you know, movement-related and action-related. That, that's what I would say, yeah. Got it. So it sounds to me like a lot of people can uh, begin to just link their goals to what's important to them. But also the physicality of it as well is, is something important. When you're working with uh, children and adolescents, is there a common suggestion or an action step that you often recommend that they take after your counterpunch programs? What's the general piece of advice you give them all or the thing that you want them to do most after attending one of your programs? Well, it's sort of once they've attended the program, they've got the whole system and they tend to apply that. But, you know, taking taking your uh, question a stage further, I would say the basic need that's not being met for most young people in schools and so forth ends up to me being that power need. As I mentioned earlier, the the whole idea of freedom and not having the control when you're in school, it's it's the system is very much a them and us. If we can level the playing field a little bit, but at least have something in each child's life where they're, when I say power, I don't mean power over, but they're just getting something that they can do that's totally up to them that's intrinsically satisfying. So mm -hmm. if they can ad identify something that they are good at and that they enjoy doing and that doesn't depend on other people having to be there to do it, then that's that to me is the, is the key towards them moving forward and changing their behavior because oftentimes when I was, uh, counseling in Ireland, all I had to do was identify a hobby or something, a team that they could join or a craft they could take up or something that they valued that they'd like to learn more about. And once they did that, I've got, you know, teachers coming back to me saying, what did you do? Because they're just, the whole behavior just totally changed. And all I did was just get them doing something that gave them some intrinsic satisfaction, met their power need. 
Yeah, nice. And do you think that that's really at the core what it is? People just need to find their power again, their personal power, and, and bring that to life? Yeah, I think so. I think we, we you know, this whole idea of, like, just following your passion, doing what you love, I think we get weighed down with responsibilities, and I think that's kind of ingrained from a very early age. You know, you're, I know when I was growing up, like, you know, the, the ideal uh, life choice for me would have been for my parents would have been to get a job in a bank and have a job for life and you know <laughs> mm-hmm, get married mm-hmm. and have kids or whatever so I think that that's something that you know we're all a product of our environment as you know and we're all a product of our experiences but I think if we can and that's exactly it if we can in- introduce an experience into a young person's life early on that taps into that power need and gives them that belief then I think you'll have a lot less mental health issues in young people and, and going on into adulthood. Now I know that the listeners can, can get a, a, a bucket load of information and find out a whole bunch about your story as well at your website counterpunch uh, that's counter spelled E-R punch dot com dot A-U. Uh, for those people out there that are listening in I know that you've got an incredible program that you run you've got a variety of different services what, uh, you know, if, if there was a, a tip that you could give, like a, a single piece of advice, like some parting words or whatever for the person who's listening in right now that may be having a bit of anxiety or maybe they're suffering from the mood swings or maybe they've got a bit of stress or anger in their life or, you know, they're attached to negative consequences or they're just not finding they're communicating effectively. What is the, the, the piece of advice you'd want to give them? Um, I guess keep it simple. I know that's a lot easier just said, and I don't mean that in a real blasé way, but I know myself that, you know, we do overthink things, and the more we think about it, the more intense it gets, and the more intense it gets, the more depressed we can get sometimes. But I think that if you keep it simple and live in the moment and just sort of say, well, what can I do right now? It might be simple, well, I'll get up and go for a walk, or I'll get up and make a cup of tea and come back and re relook at it from another angle or whatever. Just just try to try to shift, try to take take an action. An action of some description. I think we'll we'll make a change. But unless we actually take action, nothing changes. Got it. So just keep it nice and simple. I mean there's a there's a great quote that I love on your website. Uh, it's by Albert Einstein where he says, Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing it is stupid. And so I think, um, I guess what you're saying here is keep it nice and simple, take some actions, and then continue to focus on your values. Continue to focus on what it is that really lights you up, and, and that's the key to, to, to getting out there. Is that, is that what, what you're saying here? Absolutely. Yeah, meet your priority, you know, which is, you know, follow your passion, do what you love, um, you know. And I guess the other lifelong lesson that I've learned is, listen, you know, when you eventually make that connection between your head and your body, you know, when you stop running away from it for whatever reason, listen to your gut because your gut, your gut's very wise. <laughs> I love it. So when all those fires, trust in the gut. Fantastic. I mean, I, I'm really getting a lot of value out of this. And it, it sounds like, you know, getting that physicality, uh, meeting your power needs, trusting in your gut, uh, when all this fails, take some kind of small action and uh, and just, yeah, follow your passion. And, uh, I mean, it really is such simple stuff. And I know that your simple philosophies that people find within the counterpunch method really has been responsible for some, some world-class results. So I, 
I just want to commend you on that because uh, people speak very highly of, of what you do for them, and it's uh, it's a real honour to have you, you here on the show. So uh, I, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your message. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap it up? Um, yeah, just that, you know, if there's any teachers or people who work with young people who would like to kind of find out more about the program, just, just get on the website because I just want to get this out to as many people as possible. And it's not rocket science to actually facilitate teachers or other people to deliver the program. It's pretty structured and it would be fantastic to get it into as many schools as possible all over the world. I'd love to do that. I hope to launch in Ireland in September. Yeah, because I know a lot of because um, you know a lot of teenagers and and uh, young children come along to your programs. Uh, people also need to be mindful though that that you can actually train up adults and teachers and professionals to actually facilitate the program, so they can Absolutely. come and learn mm-hmm. from you, and then they can take it into their community, which I think is just brilliant because most people don't have it set up like that. And this is one of the things I love about the way you've transferred it. So, uh, anyone listening out there that would love to get the counterpunch methodology. And then teach it within their community. Um, you know, check out Merck because she, she's uh, that's that's her whole thing. She wants to get it across the world, and this is one way of doing it. So, uh, Merck, again, thank you so much for being on the show here today. It's been a, a real pleasure. I've learned some stuff, and I'm sure the audience had a great time as well. So, thank you once again. Thank you, Ben. It's, uh, it's great talking to you. So, as always, if you'd like to hear any more uh, about uh, this author or any of the other authors, be sure to check out elevatebooks.com forward slash author. And I really want to um, thank you once again for your time. And always remember that giving yourself permission to do what you love, that really is the key to elevating all areas of your life. Until we meet again, share your light, live your love, and do whatever it takes to be your own best friend. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Elevate Podcast, the fastest way to elevate your life. For more information, visit www.elevatebooks.com.